we're going to continue to be uh, doing some work here on these kind of instructions that Jesus... Of course, you know, lots of times Jesus uh, gives instructions, but particularly in this uh, area of John, he makes this statement in John 15, 11, uh, These things I have said to you that you may have my joy and that your joy would be full. So it seems reasonable to me uh, that uh, if Jesus said, these things I have said, that we might want to figure out what these things are uh, in order to experience uh, that joy that Jesus is talking about. I don't know about you, but I I feel like I need some joy uh, more than I ever have in this uh, day and time. So these are what we're talking about here is this matter of instructions to joy. Now, I told you that uh, it's been fascinating to me. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that it seems like that people need instructions about. Uh, you know, <clears throat> nowadays when you buy something, uh, the instructions are in three different languages, and I can't even read the English ones. You know, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I, I, we bought a radio the other day, and I finally said, Becky really is our map person and our yard person, and our uh, comprehending instructions person. And so I said to her, would you please read this? I've already, tr- you know, my, my role is to just keep pushing buttons till it works, you know, but that, that didn't, didn't work. So I said, would you, would you read the instructions and see if you can set this new clock we have? And she did it in about four minutes, and, uh, which kind of hurt my feelings. But instructions, I, I'm fascinated. Now, I don't know if some of these are necessarily true, but they're out there. You know, of course, everything on the Internet is true. Abraham Lincoln said that. And uh, so, but in thinking about Jesus here, about his instructions, look at some of these instructions you can find on the Internet. I, I, <clears throat> seems sort of self-evident. Um, although it would be faster. <laughs> you know, here are instructions. That's good. That's bad. Or who? what parent doesn't need to see this? <clears throat> I think that's what happened to me. <laughs> right? <clears throat> I, think that, I think that's what happened. That, that, you know, what parent doesn't need to have this instruction to make sure that they don't pick their kids up by the head? And uh, so instructions, uh, we, we have them all of the, I like this one, um, push. If that doesn't work, pull. If that doesn't work, we're closed. <laughs> I, I've, I've been to that door a couple of times, you know, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, so, but somebody's in there with a button or not pushing, but, but instructions. And so, you know, you can find all kinds of instructions, people telling you to do this or not do that. And we sometimes need them. Jesus uh, here, uh, I think is, is giving us some instructions, if you will, about joy and about how uh, that we might experience it. Now, let me just roughly go over this real quick. In the chapter 15, all the way down to verse 10, uh, we've been working our way down there. 11 is that verse that says, These things I have spoken to you or said to you that you might have my joy, and my joy might be full in you. Uh, Getting to this joy, getting to these, there have been several instructions. I'll just list them real quickly. Uh, One of them is that we have to know the source of life if we're going to have joy. We talked about, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We discussed that. You need to have confidence in the vine dresser. Jesus said, my father is the vine dresser. He's going to take care of that vine. If we're going to have joy, we not know the source of, of our life, but we know who's caring for us and taking care of Third one is, he said, you, you're already clean because you've experienced my words. You can just walk your way down there. Productive prayer. He said, if you ask in my name, bearing fruit, uh, joy, uh, 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 that. And, and now we come to this thing where it says right here, if, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you'll, ab- I'm sorry, get back at verse 9. If I get my eyes, boy, Chris, it must be contagious here. Verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, you just think about that for a minute. When Jesus says this, just like the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now, remain or stay put. We said that word menete in Greek, the, the word uh, abide or, or remain in some, in some passages is stay put. Stay put. Don't move. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. See, this is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than to lay his life down for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. For in doing this, I've called you friends that I, because I've told you all the things that I have heard from my father. Now, just think about that, my goodness. I, I, you're not a slave, you're a friend. And the matter on that is I've told you everything the father said to me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Now in this passage, there are several themes that seem looping, if you will, a little bit. And I would like to look at this in terms of uh, trying to understand if you will, this path to joy or this, these instructions to joy as they relate to this passage. Now, here's, here's, here's what I want to start with is what one of the instructions is an exclusive claim, a, a, an incredibly exclusive claim. Notice here what Jesus says. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now abide in my love. Now, when I looked at that, I thought, here's an, ex an incredibly exclusive claim. I say that because of this. I'm doing some reflecting the other day and thinking about this. Uh, think, think about this. In, in, you know, I'm not an expert in all these areas. Uh, you know, an expert is a guy that's 10 miles out of town talking. Uh, but uh, um, I, I want you to think about this, where, where Jesus says, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. I want to suggest to you that this is rather an exclusive claim. Uh, from the standpoint of, if you look at many of the major religions of the world, what do they claim? Here's one. In, in Judaism, we know the Shema, Israel, Odonai, Elohim, Echad. That hero, listen up, Israel. That's what it means, Shema. Listen up, hear. I always like that when Jesus, when they asked you, what's the greatest command? He said, the first one is this. Hear. Did you know that? That's an imperative. Shema. Listen up. Heads up. Listen. Listen. The Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's fascinating to me that the center of Jewish theology, the exclusive claim of Jewish theology is the Lord. Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel, our, our God. He's one. We're going to talk about that here in a second about the Islam, but he's one. But notice, you shall love the Lord your God. You realize how Christianity is different, right? God so loved you. See, that's the center of Christianity. Not you better love God. God so loved the world. It's, it's turned. It's different. I was reflecting on this week. I thought, you know what? I don't know if I've ever really thought about that much. That, that the center, every Jewish person would know that the center of Jewish theology is the Shema. They prayed it every time the sun came up. When we went to Israel several years ago, I think I mentioned that some time ago, didn't I? That we'd gone. When we're flying across the pond and the sun is starting to come up, you know, through the windows and people are beginning to see the sunrise, all of these uh, reformed and are, are, are conservative uh, Hasadim, or, or conservative Jews, are up wrapping their arms with the tefillin and putting a little box on their head, putting their prayer shawl on them, and they're standing up in that 777, Shema Israel Adonai Eleheinu Echad. Shema Israel Adonai Eleheinu Echad. All just rocking and going. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. I mean, all, all over that plain, they're doing that. Why? That's the center of Jewish theology. And the center is, he's one, you love him. You love him. Islam. Islam is, there is no God but God. And Muhammad is prophet. And the word Islam actually means, or Muslim means, submit. In Islam, the center of their theology, the center of their understanding is submit to God. That's what Muslim means. That's what the word means. It means to be submitted to God. I, 
I know I'm probably, you know, my dad told me, son, he said, when I was growing up, he said, you're a bee shaker. And I said, what is that? He said, you, you put a bee in a jar, shake it up just to drive it crazy. <laughs> yeah. I said, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I said to some guys one time, I said, I'm Muslim. I hope you are too. Well, I'm trying to help them understand the word. Submitted to God. Are you? Hello? <laughs> Submitted to God. Now, now, that's the center of it. That's the whole understanding. There is not one, there is no God but God. And Muhammad is his prophet. And we are submitted to God. That's the center. Buddhism. I've always been interested in Buddhism uh, because I like to go to restaurants that have his statue there. But um, <laughs> there are four noble truths in Buddhism. Four, what they call four, four noble truths. And I'm going to boil it down, but it's this. All the problems in life, all the, all the suffering in life is because of desire. You want that car, you can't buy it. You don't have enough money. All the problems, and Buddha was pretty smart. All the problems in life are the result of suffering. So the center of Buddhist theology is to, is to divorce yourself and get away and have no desires. How's that working? <laughs> Had no desire. Rid yourself of all desire. So in, in Judaism, it's God's one and you love him. In Islam, there is no God but God and you are to submit to him. In Buddhism, it is there is all the problems in the world are caused because of suffering and you should get rid of all desire. That's, that's the hope that you can so separate from everything that you have no more desire. So if, you know, your kids get run over by a truck, no problem because you didn't have any desires about them. Right? Or, you know, if you win the lottery, you know, there's just no desire. The center of Christianity is God so loved the world. That's the center of it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This exclusive claim of Christianity, of Jesus to say, listen, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Nobody else makes that claim. No, no other major religion gets centered down on this. No other major historical religion finds its center of gravity or its source of strength as that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the center. That's this exclusive, incredible claim. And yet, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, love, huh? Talk about it all the time. I, I, I thought of this picture, a little collage that... You know, love, 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 love. I remember when I was in uh, high school in 1971, uh, there was a movie. Some of y'all remember it. Ryan O'Neal, Ally McGraw called. Yeah, I went. <laughs> I remember at the theater in Beaumont, Texas, all of all us guys dutifully standing there and the girls go, oh, have you seen it? Oh, I heard about all this. And we're just going, this is not going to be good. <laughs> You know, back then we wanted to see a Chuck Norris movie. You know? But I remember, I remember going to the movie and it, it was a pretty sad story. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, young couple and, and she gets sick and dies. And then, you know, the great, great line that is what love is, is love never means having to say, come on. <laughs> love means you often have to say you're sorry. What a stupid line. I'm sitting there thinking, what? And I'm only 17 years old, you know? What an idiot. You know, love. We, we talk, listen, it's the exclusive cream Christianity. We talk about, we, we hardly understand it. And I, and I was thinking about this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little uh, drill here, a little test. I think I've got it right here somewhere. Stay with me. Uh, wow. Okay. That's fine. I got it. Here we go. Here we go. This becomes language that we use in the church all the time. Well, we need to love God. We need to love others. And I, what does that mean? Right? 
What does that mean? I mean, I'm thinking of what the world needs now is who did that? Come on, who sang it? Nope, huh? Jackie DeShannon. Yeah, what the world needs now. Or think of your fellow man, give him a helping hand. Love it. You got it. I got a, I got a bunch of old hippies in here. Rock on. Now, some of you from the 50s will remember this because you've lost that. Y'all are sad. <laughs> I, I, I was looking back. I remember, I, you know, I'd forgotten. I get my, I, I get my bands go. But, you know, with, with, uh, with this, all you need is love is all you Right. Who? The Beatles or John Lennon. I remember the Youngbloods. Love, love is but a song they sing. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Oh, it says try to love one another. Yeah, that's a good idea. Love. Uh, I remember uh, looking back. I remember in the summer of 69. I was actually alive. And uh, remember that uh, the, the Rolling Stones decided, you know, the summer of love was 67 and everybody's wonder, it's wonderful about love and we love and love peace. You, know, uh, you just get sick of it. And uh, they had a, they decided, the Rolling Stones decided they would have a concert at the Altamont Speedway in San Francisco. Anybody remember that? Anybody there? I know some of y'all are kind of wild childs, but yeah, Altamont Speedway. And they decided, you know, love because we love everybody. And so they decided, that the, the, the Rolling Stones decided that what they would do is they would get the Hells Angels to do security. <laughs> and here's where their thing kind of got off track. <laughs> they decided that the way they'd pay the Hells Angels, they'd give them all the beer they could drink. Mick Jagger is singing a song called It's All Right. And you know what? It's not. <laughs> In the middle of all of that talk about love, they kill somebody front stage. A guy named Meredith. Killed him. Love, man. Love. Peace. You can remember. Hey, man. Be cool. Be loving. Yeah, come on. Love. I, I just want to tell you, even though it is the exclusive claim of the Christian life, I sometimes wonder, do we know what it means? Do we really? Love. What do we mean? When Je or what does Jesus mean when he says love? And notice what he says. Look at the sequence. Just as the fathers loved me, I have loved you. Now, you, you know and probably have some understanding that that, that Greek has at least four words for love. Eros, sturgia, phileo, and agape. And they have some distinct meanings. But the word love here, the idea that God is love, that God loves us and God cares about us. I, I want to ask you to consider something here about your life. I, I've drawn this before, but I actually got tech, techie now. Um. I think the scriptures teach, and I think the Bible suggests that if we are not careful, our understanding of God gets confused. For instance, you'll hear people say, uh, well, you know, God is loving, but he's also just. Right? God is loving, but he's also what? He's what? In other words, what do we say? He's, he's omnipotent. God is, God is loving, but he's also Sovereign. He's God, God is loving, but hey, don't forget, he's what? Yeah, what, what happens is here is, that I think what happens is that we just, that God's nature becomes this and this. This and this. This and this. And I want to suggest to you something different. That God's primitive nature, or Jacob Arminius made this statement when he said that God's basic primitive nature is love. On this chart I've tried to draw, it's not love and sovereignty. It's sovereignty that's informed by love. It's not love and justice. It's justice that's informed by love. It's not, God, it's not love and omniscience. It's omniscience 
that is informed by love. I want to suggest to you that these characteristics, we talk about yes, this and that, are the essential nature is love. Okay? I'm going to suggest this because I think this is where we get in trouble. We start having these almost on equal footing. God's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's just. He's, lo- he's just in the list somewhere. He's lo- you know, in the list somewhere. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us about him. God is love. 1 John 4. Is. And any attribute or any characteristic that we understand about God is informed, is, if you will, managed by this notion. I'll tell you this. I think this comes back to this exclusive claim. I think this is where Christianity clarifies, helps understand, helps declare the nature of God in brilliant, brilliant light. That God is love. He's not love and that. He's not love and that. He's not love and that. He's love. Now, yes. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. It's exactly right. First John 1, 6. Yeah. Means knows all there is to know. It's knowledge. Right. Yeah. I'm just. I'm asking. Right. I, legitimate question. Yeah. I'm not going to answer it. No. <laughs> Stanton. I, yeah. No. I listen. I, I know the grammatical construction there in First John one and First John four. Here's what I f- fall back on from this standpoint. Uh, not fault, is that uh, Hebrews uh, 1 tells us, in many and various ways God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days He's spoken to us to His Son, who is the exact image, icon of His nature. I, I, I say that love, I mean, uh, uh, omniscience, light, all of that kind of stuff, is in this sense informed by, empowered by, expressed by love. When I look at Jesus as the full expression of God, he, now he, he can be just and he can be, you know, he can take Pharisees down. But it's always informed out of love. In, in my reading of that, that if you just have, if you just have, uh, if, if God is omniscient and it isn't informed by love, and this is going to sound silly, but it's the way I can think of it. Uh, if, if God is omniscient and knows everything, but it isn't informed by love, then he's just a know-it-all. Or if he's sovereign and it isn't informed by love, he's a bully. Or if he's just and it isn't informed by love, then it becomes the possibility that he can be just doing things that we can't do. I'm just saying that's how I see it. I I think you've asked a good question. But I, I, I think that all of these attributes and characteristics are informed by the basic fundamental nature of God which from the reading of Scripture and the person of Jesus is love. I think that's where we get a little off track when we get justice separated from love. Here's an example in in our culture. I think in one sense, if we're not careful, in our culture, we have gotten the, the justice system or the penal system separated from rehabilitation and care, and it's just gone to punishment now. And it started as that it was supposed to rehabilitate people. Certainly, they're going to go to jail and be locked up. But it's to, in order to rehabilitate people. It seems, this is my opinion, seems to be that it's completely gotten off the rails now. In, in some sense or another, where it's just punishment. And very few people are ever rehabilitated. So it comes back again to me, the basic nature of God that informs me. Now, you guys don't have to agree with me. and uh, But that's why. Doug? Well, in your thinking, he was, yeah, in your thinking, right, Doug, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, what Doug is saying, for the sake of the reporting, Doug is not saying God is a bully or he's bad, but in his, but in the teaching that he grew up in, because God's love was not really centered 
or God's nature wasn't centered in that, that these other characteristics began to become uh, unhelpful, if you will, or, or destructive. And I, I think that's possible. Now, let me offer us, uh, now, again, we talk about love. We need to love our neighbor. We need to love Jesus. Okay, what is love? Here's what it is, I think. It comes from Dallas Willard, <clears throat> I think a trustworthy. He said, a love is a well-reasoned devotion to the good or well-being of its objects. Uh, Willard will say, and C.S. Lewis and others will say, it's, it's often divorced from feeling. You can value someone and, and be devoted to them and not feel like doing something, you know. Becky asked me the other day to do something at the house. I didn't feel like doing it, but I'm smart enough to know to do it. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Love, agape, which is off the word that is used, phileo and agape are used somewhat interchangeably in John particularly. Agape is the idea of devotion to the well-being of a person, regardless of your feelings. You know, I doubt if Jesus felt like going to the cross. We, we see that in the garden. He really don't feel like doing that. This idea of devotion, a well-reasoned devotion to the good or well-being of its object. Do I will the best or the... The, the well-being of another person. That's when I love them. See, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. I don't care what happens to you. It doesn't matter to me at all what happens to you. You can burn up or blow up or whatever you, you know. But, but love is this devotion to the well-being of its object and desire. So when Jesus says, the Father's loved me, my well-being, I've loved you, that's where we find justice and we find Jesus correcting and we find Jesus teaching and we find Jesus probably laughing with like because he's devoted to their well-being. It, it manifests itself in, in, in all these ways. Now notice what he said, I've loved you. I want to ask you a question here. How has Jesus loved you? I mean, we obviously would say what? Died on the cross. He rose from the dead. That? What else? How has Jesus loved you? He brought Carol in Zion. Carol, how has Jesus loved you? <laughs> we got that going that way. <laughs> Thinking of a joke right now, but I don't have time for it. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, I, I am too. I know you. I, yeah, I'm serious. How, you know, Jesus said, just as the Father, he said to these guys, just as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. How did Jesus love these guys? He was patient, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the Bible says there, when, after he'd spent an all night in prayer, it said he chose those who he wanted to be with him. Could you imagine that, to be with him? What else? He... He, he instructed them. He trained them. He gave his time to them. You know, I, when I was working through this, I, that's great. I mean, we can go through the New Testament and see that. But, but how is it that Jesus has loved you? He said, with the same love that the Father has loved me, I've loved you. And I suggest Jesus is no respecter of persons. He's loving you. Think just for a second now. With the love that the Father has for him. Here's what I did the other day. I, I'm a, they made fun of me, some training the other day. I, 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 you know, I just get so many things going in my life. I, I just have to write it. Everything's in my phone. If I lose my phone, I won't, I won't know where I live. <laughs> I put a file in my phone that I see every morning. And then I re redo it in the evening. It says this. 62 years of God's love and kindness. I'm 62. And I'm beginning a list of all the ways that Jesus has loved me. You know, on top of that list is like Doug has said is Becky. On top of that list are some of you friends. On top of that list, here's, here's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a race to, to fill this list up. It's in my phone every day. I sit every morning and every evening. I just say, what is it? I mean, I, I have health insurance. I have 
life. I have friends. I have resources. I'm going to lunch today. I've got a great dog. <laughs> I told you before, I'm still using 22-pound paper. I am not a barbarian. When I write on paper, it has to be 22-pound minimum. I have a pen rack at my house. Not a gun rack, a pen rack. Because <laughs> fine pens need to be portrayed. <laughs> you know what? When, 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 Becky, when Becky was in cancer treatment years ago, I did this. I didn't do it my phone. But I sat down one day and I began to write how Jesus had loved me. The kindness, the goodness. I'm telling you, see, I feel like I think it was, uh, I could get the, I think it was Polycarp, who was one of the great church fathers, who was uh, finally uh, killed and eaten by lions. Not the Detroit lions. They can't eat anything. <clears throat> Sorry, Brian. <clears throat> and they asked him to renounce Christ, and they would spare him. And Polycarp said, Lo, these many years I have served him, and he has not harmed me once. How shall I deny him now? And he died. Th think about your life. How has Jesus loved you? I don't know this for a fact. I don't understand. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know what the universe, what's going on in the universe, you know. But one of the things I wrote down was, I was born in the United States of America. I could have been born in the Sudan. You could have too. Now, I'm not saying that if you're born in the Sudan, God didn't have mercy on you. I'm just saying, I, that's why I don't understand. I'm not you know, trying to unravel the universe. How about somebody that must have talked to you about Jesus? Some of us have said something to you. Or you just heard there was free donuts here today and showed up. Or did, did somebody talk to you about Jesus? Was it a mom or a dad or a grandparent? Was it a college roommate? Was it a friend? Was there somebody that dared to speak to you? Is there been somebody that kind of put you under their arm and helped you to, to grow in the Christian life? I'm going to keep asking you this. You're going to get sick of this. Where's your man? Are you spending some time with somebody to help them? Can you write a name down and say, this person helped me? Is there, is there a college teacher or a, Sunday, or a school teacher or somebody that encouraged you one day when, when you thought you could? How has Jesus loved you? It isn't just mystical. It isn't just him showing up in your living room or feeling good in church. This Jesus is, if you will, manifesting himself and in loving us through other people. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. What if you started a list in your phone or tablet or even on paper, as long as it's 22 pounds, uh, in which you begin to, to list how Jesus, this, this ongoing matter, it's not a pressure, it's not a race. You, you don't have to get this done by Tuesday. But what about it? Just as the fathers loved me, I've loved you, Cliff. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't know if this happens to you, but I get cranky through life. And I think, well, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and this hadn't happened, and this hadn't happened. Instead of saying, wait a minute, Cliff. How has God poured out on you incredible love and blessing? How has that happened? Write it down. Begin. To say, Lord Jesus, this thing you said, you've loved those guys as you've been loved. How's God loved you? That's the, if you will, extravagant claim. Here's the other thing I see, and that's the expansive ethic. <clears throat> the expansive ethic. <clears throat> Jesus then says uh, in verse 9, Abide in my love. I've loved you. Abide. Stay in it. Stay put. Don't, don't leave. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This, this, and you know, this, this, I've got several. It goes to verse 10, then it goes down 12 and 13, then 17. You can see, see all those passages there. It, if this exclusive claim is true, that I've loved you, Cliff, or I've loved you, disciples, and now we're extending this, like, I've loved you, we put our finger on it, there it is in our life. Then Jesus says, then abide in my love, and the way you abide is by obeying my commandments. Notice the sequence. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves us. 
And then we do what? We love. I want you to get the sequence here. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves us. And then we what? Love others. Okay? Listen, I, I growing up in the church, I don't know if I just wasn't listening. Well, no, I wasn't listening. But <laughs> on lots of occasions. But I somehow thought that I was capable of creating and producing love. So I just got busy. I'm going to love you if it kills me. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> you know? Somewhere I got in my mind that you better be loving. See, maybe, again, and I, I'm, this is too, uh, I mean, it's probably too narrow. I mean, you, for me to say in Judaism, I, I'm not, I don't want to say the whole thing of Judaism, but to say, if you grow up thinking, hey, the Lord our God is one and you better love him. Right? That's what it says. The Lord our God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, I'm not saying they didn't understand something, but I'm saying that's kind of the, the drill I grew up under. Hey, there's God. He's there. You're not. You love him. Where'd I get that idea? Church. 1 John 4.19 says this. 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. We are able to love because he first loved us. See, let me tell you something. I, when I've read this over the years and I did my Greek project in here years ago. This looks like, abide in my love, keep my... That just looks like another requirement to me. Hey, now come on, you better love God. Instead of, notice the sequence. He said, just as the fathers loved me, I've loved you. Abide in my love. Live in it. Stay put, Cliff. Because it's not your human capacity to be able to generate... Love. Now, you know, I, I don't know all the psychological issues here. I'm not saying that, you know, a, a person that isn't a Christian can't somehow experience. God has through the image of God that he's made in us. We're all created in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God. Some capacity here. But Jesus makes it pretty clear that we're able to love because we've been loved. I mean, it makes sense. You know, people make this statement. You can't give what you don't got. They probably didn't say it that way, but that's what we say it's East Texas. <laughs> you can't give what you don't got, right? If, if, if you don't know the love of God, if we haven't experienced the love of God, you don't have it to give. And yet I, I just kind of grew up in this tr thought that just it's just a command. It's just a command. See, a, a, a good deal here is that Jesus says, because I've, I've been loved by my Father and because I love you, you now abide in my love. So he says, stay in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Now, here's the interesting thing. I, I want to just say it this way, that a good deal of discussion about Christianity is, you know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, all that kind of stuff. My students say that, and I, I've said that to you. But my question is, what kind of relationship? What kind of relationship? I ask my students, I say, well, you know, Christianity is not a religion. Okay, it's a relationship. Okay, what, what's the relationship? Are you the boss? Are you the one in charge? Are you the source of strength and power? Or is somebody else? You know, Becky and I, we were dating years ago, and uh, she went to Dexter, Kansas. Her parents wanted her to get away from this crazy ministry major. And uh, so she went to Dexter, Kansas and worked in a hardware store. That's where she learned to mow and change the oil, <coughs> all that stuff, which I was forever grateful to her parents, <clears throat> even though that was not their plan. They wanted to get away. And so uh, uh, she goes there, and I'm living in Houston, and I'm calling her like every other day. And you know what, guys? Remember, this is back when you had to pay for long distance. Remember that? Merciful. I was making a car payment, you know? And I would call her and talk to her and tell her I loved her and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she would say, well, what does that mean? And I said, it means I love you. <clears throat> she goes, I know, but where's this going? I said, what do you mean where's it going? I was equivocating. <clears throat> and we would talk. 
and we would discuss things. And I would say, it means I love you. See, what she was wanting to know is, does your love have any content to it? See, we, we talk about love as the well-being of another, but what's the content of that look like? And, and so I said, well, I love you. Don't you know that? So I drove all the way to Dexter, Kansas from Houston. Found out she had been out on a date with a pig farmer. I'm serious now. I'm not kidding. I'm making this up. Pig farmer. I'm a college man. And I said, what in the world are you doing going out with the pig farmer? She goes, well, we're not engaged. I love you. What does that mean? Come to find out, she kissed him. I'm trying to find him. But then I found he's a big old boy. <laughs> Remember Mercer? How big a boy are you after all? <laughs> Roy D. Mercer. She said this to me. She, this is a quote. I'm going to get in real big trouble today. I said, you kissed him. She goes, no, he kissed me. That's a distinction too narrow. You know what she kept saying? What is the nature of this relationship? I said, I love you. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> I want to know. I went and bought a ring. <laughs> you see, what does it mean to love Jesus? What's a relationship? What does it mean? What's the content? It means this, folks. Obey his commandments. That's what he said. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I, I, I've told you before, and, and it's, it's amazing to me in the church. I, one of the reasons I try to work at application every time, every time, is because of Jesus' command when he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Not teaching them. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything? Yeah. Teach them to... See, we're long on instruction, short on application. We know... As I said before, I'm already, and you are too, educated above your obedience level. You don't need any more information. We just need to know what to do with what we got, right? Jesus said, here's the content of love. It's to obey me. It's to obey my command. Now, Jesus, you could boil them down. Jesus' commands were to love God. And love he said, all the prophets and commandments are summed up in that. But see, a good deal of Christianity talks, well, it's a relationship, it's a relationship, it's not a religion. But I keep saying, what's the content here, guys? What's the content? It's obedience to what Jesus said. Now, we may have to discuss what it means. We may have to look at what it means. We may have disagreements about the meaning of it. But as followers of Jesus, our commitment is to say that this relationship, this expansive ethic, if you will, is to love God. Now, it's here, what I put here, that our love to Jesus. is to obey His commands. Now, I want you to stay with me for a second. It's to obey. That, that can sound like just another list of things to do. Unless we had the exclusive claim straight that you've been loved. You've been loved. And I've been loved. And sometimes the most important thing, if we're having trouble with obedience, is for us to reflect and say, wait a minute, how, get back to your list. How has Jesus loved me? You see, here's the point I want you to have. Obedience is not an act of servitude. 
What is it? It's an act of gratitude. If I know that I've been loved like the Father loved Jesus, that Jesus has loved me, if I know that, if I understand that, if I experience that in some way or another, then my obedience isn't just some hard, I got to do it, or I'm going to hell, or I'm going to do it, or I'm going to be in trouble. It is the expression of gratitude. I have a friend, uh, Linda Bollenbacher. She comes to class sometimes and uh, when she's not working in church. And we were, they've been just such great friends. Not so much Wayne, but Linda. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, we, we were down in Texas and Linda loved, Linda moved from Ohio when she was a kid. She got out of there as fast as she could and moved to Texas. <clears throat> and um, she loves Texas. She, she has a room in her house, at the, the Texas room. I love to go there. We have a service and, and uh, pay homage <clears throat> to Daryl Royal and... Uh, <clears throat> Not really, but anyway, uh, she she loved Texas, and, and we were we were down in Texas one time visiting, and uh, I saw a, a gift uh, that was about Texas. Now I'm, I'm just telling you, Wayne and Linda have just been the most wonderful friends to us. The fact that Wayne hasn't killed me is just beyond belief, but they've been great friends. And I and I remember I, I said I'm going to buy that for Linda, and I'm kind of cheap. Uh, Becky's helped me with that. But I bought it, and I brought it back, and I said, Linda, I, I want you to have this. And she knows how cheap I am. And, and she said, well, how much was it? I said, wait a minute. I know I'm cheap, but I want you to have this. And, and she said, well, what? I said, no, 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 I, no, don't. You're not paying me for this. I want you to have I, I think about that in my relationship with Jesus. That my obedience becomes a thing of, I want to do this. I want to please you. Dick Greenlee will often say that we want to live our lives in such a way that we put a smile on God's face. How about if we do that? That our obedience, that, that this expansive ethic is none love Jesus, and I, and I don't have time, we got to, we're to come back and get this next week, is to love others. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll love, keep my, and then you'll love others. Let me ask you to do something by next week. There's a there's a, a link on your uh, on your outline, isn't there? A URL link is it on there? Did I put it on there? Yeah. I want to ask you to think about it. And this is where content in love comes to love others. There's a website there called Five Languages of Love. Some of y'all know about this. Uh, there are five. They, what they've understood is five different languages of love. One is affirmation. One is touch. One is gifts. One is uh, 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 huh? Quality time. Acts of service. It's fascinating that, that we can think we're loving to people, but because we're not really acting in a loving way to them in a way they understand it, they don't get it. For instance, gifts. The story is told of a guy who grew up really poor, and he'd gotten married, and they've been living for a while, and they're at their 10th anniversary. And he'd really been poor. So he's saving his lunch money and stuff like that and buying his wife some earrings. They're beautiful, you know. And, and so they're going to have dinner, and he's kind of gotten up in his organization now, and he's, he's kind of a big wheel. And so they're having their anniversary dinner, and he says, Dear, he pushes those rings right across that table. She opens them. They're just so beautiful. You see, this guy, if you're going to communicate love to this guy, it's gifts. So he puts the table, and she, oh, it's so beautiful. And she's got dinner, and he goes, and this has been wonderful dinner. I've got to go. I'm, I got a Boy Scout meeting tonight with a, a board. I got to go. I'll see you. She picked that box up and threw it at him. You know what her love language was? Quality time. Now I, I'm not trying to be too wide out here, but I widen this thing far out. But listen, I think we've got to. When Jesus said, "If you love me, for my disciple, you're going to love others." Maybe one of the ways that we learn to love others is to find out what communicates love to them. How about that? This is what I'm talking about. Let's get some content to this. I, I'm a little tired. I'm just telling you over the years, we need to love others. We, we need to love. We need to be loved. Okay, what does that look like? There are five different love languages. You can take that little survey it might stun you what your love language is or what your wife or husband or friend or fiance or neighbor 
our grandkids, our kids. See, this expansive ethic is not only to love Jesus, but to love others. To be willing to say, I'm going to find out what, you know, in our, in our marriage. I, it was funny to me when I found this out with Becky, we did this. My wife's love language is acts of service. Now, when I change the oil in the car, it's like romance time. <laughs> change the oil often. <clears throat> or when I roll, I, I'm just when I roll the garbage out. I mean, I'm getting like kudos, you know, like yeah, because I'm kind of lazy. But <clears throat> when I discovered that, to say, what would it take for me to show Becky I love her? You know, it is this acts of service. She doesn't matter about gifts. Doesn't matter about quality time because there's no such thing with me. No. <laughs> like, could you please go back to work? <clears throat> Jesus said, and, and I'm trying to be practical here. Application. He said, love one another. Listen, I can do all kinds of things that I think are loving, but if they're not loving to you, you're not going to get it. Right? How about this week if you decided, you know what, I'm going to find out what my wife or husband or kids' love language is, and I'm going to do something about that. That's called application. I, I want to give some content, folks. I, maybe I've done a t poor job of doing this, but I'm just sort of tired of hearing about love with no content. It's just whatever we want to make it up to be. Here it is. One is it's obedience to the commandments of Jesus and number two, it's loving others in a way that they get it. They get it. For me, my, my love language is different than my wife's. And for her, she knows and she acts toward me in ways that meets that. This happens in relationships all the time where we think we're being loving, and we're, but they, they don't get it. Or we think we're being loving to our neighbors. They don't get it because we don't know what their love language is. So how about this week? What if you took that URL, took that little test and decided this might help? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this uh, passage here, it's packed. This, uh, this exclusive claim that you make that you've loved us just like the fathers loved you. Staggering. Help that to work its way down into our souls. And then this expansive ethic that you ask of us for us to love you and to love our neighbors. Lord, help us to have some content to this this week. To not just think it's a feeling or an intention, but it's actual content. We pray you'll help us this week and, and, and guard us from extreme. But help us to apply and to do something about this this week. We pray in Jesus' strong name. Amen.